Would you turn with me please this evening in the New Testament to the book of Galatians. Galatians. This is our third message I think on this series so it's relatively new because around here we can go for a while. Right? You know I have found that it helps to meditate on the truth and just keep hearing different sides of it and meditate on it for months. Have you found that? And, and it gets in your spirit. And uh, it's not what you've heard. It's not what you know that changes your life. It's what you do. And you have to keep hearing it and thinking about it till you start talking about it uh, on a regular basis. Until it becomes a part of your life. If you just get excited about it at church one service and that's the end of it, well, your life will not change. It won't. It's got to be incorporated into your life every day, Monday through Friday. And so the one key to that is to stay after it and hear it and hear it and faith comes that way, right? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you hear it, you hear it, you hear it. And it gets in you. Well, we were reading our text from Galatians 3, the third chapter. And let's look at that again. Galatians 3, let's begin reading. I'll read. You can listen. Read along. Galatians 3. And verse 7. He said, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham, Somebody say, that's me. That's me. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel, the good news, to Abraham, saying, in you shall all nations be blessed. Now, the Bible, the New Testament calls this gospel. There's a lot more to the gospel than you don't have to go to hell. Hmm? Like you can miss hell when you die. Now that is wonderful. Don't misunderstand me. But some people have implied that that's pretty much, that is the gospel. No. Listen to what here the Bible calls the gospel. In you shall all nations be blessed. Is blessing A big part of the gospel. Everybody say blessing. 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 Do you believe in being blessed? Hmm? You should. We need to just immerse ourselves in this. Until we think blessing. And talk blessing. And take blessed steps. Right? We get up and think blessing. And we drive down the road thinking and talking, blessing, blessing, I'm blessed, my family's blessed, my marriage is blessed, my kids are blessed, my grandkids are blessed, our church is blessed, the outreaches are blessed, my business is blessed, I'm blessed on the job, right? I'm blessed when I leave in the morning, I'm blessed when I come back, I'm blessed in town, I'm blessed in the country, I'm blessed. Everything I put my hand to. Blessed. Prosperous. Right? We should think blessed, blessed, blessed. And in preaching the gospel, 
We should be telling other people, you can be blessed. Right? Not just join the church. Join our church. Hurry and join our, join our church. Not their church. Our church. That's not the gospel. Is it? That's not the gospel. The gospel includes the blessing. The blessing. Maybe the Lord will give me further utterance on this within this study. But there's something that's been going over and over in my heart about this. When it comes to financial and material blessing. There is so much. Ah, what's the word? Envy and jealousy and confusion and strife about this subject. And there are people, one of the things that people, they think if they can point out that we have something that's nice or that we have something that's expensive, they think if they point that out to us, it'll shame us. Are y'all with me now? But see, they think wrong. They think that we believe like they do. That we secretly believe that Christians are not supposed to have much. And so we are having some stuff kind of on the sly. We got some stuff. But we don't really want anybody. There's no wonder why people think this. Because ministers especially hide their wealth. And Christians do. They hide it. They don't want people to see it. They don't want people to know. They're ashamed of it. They're embarrassed about it. Well, see, that means they don't believe this. Do we believe we're supposed to be cursed or blessed? Then when people say, well, man, look at what you got. And look at what you got. You go, yeah. You can have it too. Right? Aren't you ashamed being a preacher? Absolutely not. Wish I had a thousand times what I've got. Oh, you wouldn't. Oh, I would. (laughs) And will. You should be ashamed. Said who? Who said I should be ashamed? You see what I'm talking about? Who said you should be ashamed? Of having some nice stuff or expenses. See the thing is. People believe wrong. And they assume we believe like they do. But are just hiding it. We don't believe in poverty. We don't believe in being sick. Did you hear me? We don't believe in it. We believe in being blessed. If poverty pleased God, heaven would be broke. If sickness pleased God, heaven would be full of sick people. But you will not be able to find one sick person in heaven. Not a one. Not a one. You will not be able to find one poor broke beggar in heaven. Not one. Not one. And God does not have two separate wills. Different wills, one will for heaven and one will for earth. He told us to pray. 
Thy will be done on the earth. How? Just like it is in heaven. Hmm? Is your spirit hearing what I'm endeavoring to say? What I believe the Lord is saying? There is a, a, a foundational error in Christians, the way they've responded to this. If somebody says something about something they have, you know, they act offended. And they get defensive. And they're like, well, I didn't want anybody to know I had that. <laughs> hmm? But I'm telling you, do not respond that way. Do not respond that way. I mean, the laws that protect freedom of religion protect devil worshipers in this country. Then it protects our right to believe in prosperity. I know it's not traditional. I know it's not what a lot of people believe. But it's what we believe. Right? And we believe we see it in the Word from Genesis to Revelation. So somebody wants to say something about what you have, you go, no, no, you're mixing me up with those other folks. See, I don't believe in that. I believe in this. So I'm practicing what we preach. Hmm? Well, that's another message, but I wanted you to be thinking on that, chewing on that, so that when I start on it again, you're ready to jump on it with both feet and believe with me for more revelation to come out, right? Well, it all goes with this. You're going to see it further. But notice what he said. Verse 9. So then they which be of faith are what? Blessed. Blessed. Well, you keep seeing that word, don't you? Blessed. With faithful Abraham. Who? Who's he talking about? Those that be of faith. That's us. Now skip on down. Verse 13, Christ, the anointed one, hath redeemed us. Not something he's going to do, not something he's in the process of doing, something he has already done. Hath redeemed us from what? He has redeemed. Redeem means to buy back, to ransom from. To buy back. He bought us back from what? The curse of the law. Then should we be cursed? Should we have the curse of the law manifested in our life? We should not. Because Christ has redeemed us from the curse. So we shouldn't be cursed. <laughs> There's some people right now. You're on the verge. Of a breakthrough. Are missing God. There's some people right now. You're listening. And you're not quite sure. If you like this or not. Don't judge it. Right now. And think that's all of it. We've barely begun. Some folk. This is the. You don't know us. You hadn't heard us before. Look at the word. Try not to look at me. Try not to just hear me. Look at this word. Right. And open your heart to this. The book. You're on the verge of a life change right now. A breakthrough. Or you could get huffy 
and get mad and hold on to your tradition, it'd cost you. It wouldn't be you rejecting me. You say, well, I don't like that Keith Moore. Well, you don't have to like me. (laughs) I don't like that Faith Life Church. You don't have to. But this, this, this. See to it that you don't refuse this. Because it'll cost you. Should you be cursed? No. No. Do you believe in being cursed? No. Is it okay for you to be cursed? No. No. If I'm cursed, something's wrong. Being cursed is abnormal for you and me. It means something's wrong. The door's open somewhere to let the curse in. I'm not supposed to be cursed. You're not supposed to be cursed because the anointed one, the Lord Jesus Christ, redeemed us from the curse of the law. Said out loud, I'm not supposed to be cursed. Keep reading. He said, He has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Did he hang on the tree? Yes, Yes, he did. Was he cursed as he hung there? Did he ever make a mistake? Did he ever sin? Did he ever do anything to be cursed for? No. No. Well, then why was he cursed? In our place, in our stead. Somebody said, well, you've been such a sorry rascal. You've made so many mistakes. You deserve to be cursed. Why was Jesus, why did he become a curse? He took the curse that was to come on you and me. So no, we don't deserve to be cursed because he took what we deserved. Right? Oh, you hadn't been perfect. Well, who has? You've made mistakes. Who hasn't? You've come short. Who hasn't? You deserve to be cursed. I disagree. Well, you deserve punishment. No, no, no. Because somebody who did not deserve to be punished was punished in my place. Was cursed in my stead, in my place. Keep reading. What does it say? In order that... The what? Oh, this is shouting ground. Makes me happy just looking at those words right there. That the blessing, the blessing, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Do we have a right to be born again? Do we have a right to be filled with the Spirit? Do we have a right to the full blessing? Yes. This is the blessing that God pronounced over Abraham that included the promise to Jesus throughout the generations to come. Now, what did this blessing, and let's just go back to the beginning where it first began to be evidence, what did it do to Abraham? You read, God said, I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing. And then the next chapter, what do we read? And Abram was very rich. Didn't say just spiritually, he's rich with cows and oxen and sheep and camels and gold and silver. And he and Lot got so much stuff that the country couldn't hold them. Too much stuff. 
Was that attributable to the blessing? Do you have that blessing on you? Then why should you live hand to mouth, check to check your whole life? It's not right. That'd be a curse. Working three jobs and eking out an existence. You know, taking a step forward and getting knocked back too. Just barely, you know, bumping along. That's not being blessed. That's not Abraham. That's not Lot. That's not his seed. Say it out loud, I'm blessed. I'm redeemed from the curse. I'm blessed with the blessing. Hallelujah. Now, in previous messages, we talked about, are we cursed or are we blessed? That's the right answer. And then we talked about the difference between being cursed and being persecuted. Very important to know the difference between these things. Well, let's go on tonight. Go back with me to Deuteronomy. And let's go further. Oh, that was warm up. No, it's more than that. Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy 11 and verse 26. We read this, but let's read it again. Deuteronomy 11, 26. The Lord said, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you've not known. It will come to pass when the Lord your God has brought you into the land, whether you go to possess it, that you shall put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Now this, you can see how central this is in the thinking of God. Perhaps we'll take more time later to look at it. But he said, when you come into the land, he told him, we're going to read it in just a minute. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, in the previous chapter 2, that 26, 27, and 28, you see it working up to it. Where he said, uh, the curses for disobeying, the blessings for obeying. And you have these tribes stand on this mountain. And you have these tribes stand on this mountain. And they read the law. And the whole nation is to be there, attentive and watching. And he says, when you do this, the blessings come on. And this mountain shouts. When you do this thing, you disobey God and you rebel against him, the curses come. And they look at that mountain and they groan. This is before they enter in to the promised land. And he told them, I have set before you today. We'd say a choice. Right? So was God deciding for them who is going to be cursed and who is going to be blessed? But is this not widely believed in Christian circles that God decides who's blessed with natural blessings and health and freedom and victory and who is not? That God in his sovereignty and mysterious ways has seen fit for this person to live in the curse of death and the curse of confusion and the curse of bondage and the curse of habits and the curse of poverty. But he did not. I said he did not. It's a lie. 
He's been misrepresented. He's been lied on. What did he say? Now you just bump along best you can because I'm going to decide for you. And if you cursed all your life, don't feel bad because I'm the one that picked it for you. That's what's preached. That's what's believed in many, many churches. I know they don't say it like that, but it works out the same. No, God said, I set before you. What? Blessing or curse? What did he say? What else did he say? Keep reading. Who's going to choose? Who's the understood subject there? You are to choose. Somebody say, I choose the blessing. I choose the blessing. I will not live cursed. My family will not live cursed. I'm blessed. I'll live in the blessing. And I'll be a blessing. All my life. You've got to get this strong in your spirit that you won't have it any other way. If it doesn't look like it, it doesn't feel like it, will you resist that? And you pray and you seek God and you say, Lord, show me what to do. But you don't stay in the curse. And you don't back off and you don't let up until you see the blessing manifesting in your life. Right? <laughs> right? You stay after it. You believe for it. You look for it. You talk for it. You soar towards it. You expect it. You decree it. You just help you wonderfully. Every morning when you open your eyes to sit up in the bed and say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And I'm going to have a blessed day. What does that mean? Well, let's go back to our definitions. What does it mean to be cursed? We looked up those words. We talked about them. Let me read them to you again. To be cursed means to be doomed. Doomed. It means to be damned. So that's one of the reasons why damn is such a popular cuss word. It is. So people don't even know what they're saying. Have you ever noticed, I mean, the popular vernacular, I mean, used to, you just didn't hear the words like you do nowadays. People knew it was, you shouldn't say that. Now, people, you know, it's surprising. I've heard preachers say things that just made me look at them twice like, don't use that word. You've been watching too much TV. But notice the popular words are damn and hell and hell and damn and hell and damn. Why not heaven and blessing? Because the devil does not want you to have blessing in your mouth. He doesn't want you talking about heaven. He wants you talking about hell. And he wants you talking about being damned and doomed because that's where he can work. Man, you never say damn this or damn that. You say bless it. Bless it. Right? Blessed. Your rich slips off the nut and you scrape some skin off when you work it. What do you say? Come on, I'm waiting. Tell me, what do I say? You blessed car. Now, is that going to help you more or for you to damn it? When you're damning it, see, people don't realize what they're saying. Oh, well, that don't mean anything. Oh, yeah, it does. People, just because they don't know what it means, doesn't mean it means nothing. Didn't the Bible say, you'll give an account of every 
Now what that means is you don't have to understand everything you're saying. But see, when people say something, you can tell there's something in that word. There's a spiritual substance. You can feel it. Can't you? These hard, these harsh, what people call curse words or, or cussing. There's something in them spiritually. And of course the devil wants you to get mad and damn your car. And damn your tool set. Why? What did you just get through doing? You cursed it. Come on now. You told me you ain't had car trouble. <laughs> Till you damn it and curse it for a month or two. Then you're going to find out what car trouble is. I know people don't believe these things, but it is a fact. This world operates and is governed by spiritual law. And when you believe something and you say it and you speak and decree, that's how God created the universe. He said it. He spoke it into being and it still responds to these laws. So everything that's under your hand, don't damn it. Don't curse it. What do you do? If it's not doing good, that's all the more reason for you to bless it. You look at it and go, nah, you don't. You can't be a cursed car and stay in my garage. You might have been cursed from the previous owner, but you're blessed now. You're a blessed car. Now, don't just take this as a joke. Now, I mean, get serious about it. And you talk to that thing and you say, talk to a car. Jesus talked to trees. He talked to the water. He talked to the wind. You're not going to find a better example than him. You say, car, you will serve me well all the time I have you. Hmm? You know, Phyllis and I do that regularly. We get a new machine or we get an airplane or a car or, or something like that. We'll put our hands on it. We'll go out there and take, I don't mean just three minutes, we'll take some time. And we'll say, Lord, we thank you for this. Thank you for this piece of equipment. We'll use it to serve you and do your work with it. And we just ask your hand on this thing. Cause every piece of it to work right. Cause every part of it to work right. And we speak over it right now in the name of Jesus and call it blessed. This is a blessed machine. It'll serve us well all the time we need it. Speak over it. Speak over it. Bless it. Now see, the devil wants you to get mad and kick it and cuss it. And release spiritual destruction against it and not even know what you're doing. But we're not that dumb. Come on now. We're not ignorant of his devices. So we don't not cuss to be a good Christian. We're not dumb enough to cuss. Come on, I got four or five people just there. Are you with me? Oh, well, you shouldn't cuss, Brother Keith. Why? Why? Well, because it's bad. Really. You see what I'm saying? That's why people keep cussing, because they don't really see anything wrong with it. But when you believe in the power of your words, and you see spiritual forces are at work, you don't have trouble quitting cussing. Hmm? Now, there's a whole side of this in the power of your words. You develop in it over a period of time. How many know everything God says comes to pass? Everything God says. Now, do you understand that God cannot say something off the top of his head that he doesn't mean? If he did, what would happen? 
I mean, you did something stupid for the 89th time. And God says, I wish they'd just be out of the way. Poof. Oh, man. That's never happened. And it never will. Because God orders his words perfectly. He never says anything he doesn't mean. He only says what he does believe. Did you hear me? And you see, his words are all powerful. Well, now see, you and I must learn these same things. If your words will be powerful, then you must not be loose with your tongue. The integrity of your word must grow. And you need to treat everything that comes out of your mouth. Ask yourself this question. What if everything I said came to pass? And if you're not thinking that way, then you're not growing. And that's why your words will be powerless. Powerless for good. What if everything you said came to pass? (laughs) I'm glad (laughs) everything that a lot of people say doesn't come to pass. What a mess it'd be out on the interstate. (laughs) Woo. All kind of things. Cursed, damned, doomed, struck down, dedicated to destruction, slated or destined to fail. But blessing is the opposite of that. What does it mean to be blessed? It's divine empowerment. It means to be favored, to be empowered, to be enabled, to be destined for success. Set apart and destined to succeed. Said out loud, I'm blessed. I'm favored. I'm empowered, I'm enabled, I'm destined to succeed, I'm blessed. See, what that means is there's something more on my life than just my effort to succeed. There's something on me. Oh, come on now, there's an anointing on me, there's a power on me, there's a presence on me that is ensuring my success. Yeah, I got to put my hand out, I got to do what I know to do, but that's not all there is to it. When I reach out, there's something that takes hold with me. There's someone who takes hold with me. Oh, come on. Glory to God. <laughs> and that's why everything I put my hand to prospers. Not just me. It's not just my smarts and my hard work. It's the blessing. The blessing. The blessing. Now keep reading in Deuteronomy. He said, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing. If you obey, a curse if you'll not obey. Now go to the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy 28. If you're going to learn about the curse of the law, this is one of the best places in the Bible to find out about it. Because he describes the curse of the law and begins to enumerate and list examples of the curse. But you don't talk about the curse unless you talk about the blessing. Hmm? See, this is where people have gotten off. Where people get to talking about curses. And they get talking about generational curses. And they get talking about this curse and that curse and that curse. And it's curse, 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 curse. When do they talk about the blessing? It's just about getting free from the curse. Well, nobody can do anything... To add to what Jesus has already done. To get you free from the curse. 
and acting like somebody else has to group together to get the curse off of you is implying that Jesus didn't do enough. I know some folk don't like it, but hey, there it is. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now you can walk by sight and talk about what you feel and what you've experienced and what grandma experienced the rest of your life. And stay in the curse. And have everybody and their brother pray from now on. But as long as you're going to refuse to walk by faith, you're going to stay in it. Or you can believe the Bible. And you, before anything changes that you see or feel, by faith, you can receive it and say, yes, if he says I am, then I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am free from the curse. And begin to say it and begin to believe it and begin to thank God for it. When it doesn't look like it and it doesn't feel like it, what will happen to you? Your faith will come to pass. Right? The truth will make you free. But you don't just talk about the curse. You talk about what? I mean, Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. That, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. They go right together. You don't stop and just talk about curse. If you're curse-minded, you're going to live in the curse. If you talk curse in the morning, curse in the evening, and curse at lunchtime, and this curse and that curse, and this is a multi-generational curse, and, and this is a curse on the grandma's side, and this is a curse on grandpa's side, and this was a cousin curse. And this was a witch curse, and this was a warlock curse, and this is a curse. You will be highly developed in faith for curses. And you will have them up to your eyeballs. There's only one thing you need to know about being free from curses. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You need to believe that. No matter how you feel. No matter what it looks like, you need to believe that and accept that and then get to talking about, oh, the blessing, the blessing. I'm blessed when I go out. I'm blessed when I come in. Oh, brother. Some people didn't like that, but hey, everything should be based on scriptures, scriptures. Go to the book of Acts. And notice in the 8th chapter. Acts chapter 8. Verse 4. They that were scattered abroad went everywhere. Preaching the word. Doing what? Having deliverance meetings. Huh? Having break the curse meetings. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many, taken with pauses and that were lame, were healed, and there was great joy in the city. Just that easy? Huh? 
Wonder how long he had to pray to cast the devils out of these people with devils. Because some of the people had unclean spirits. And people were possessed. How many days did they spend on breaking the curses off of them? It's not in there. Now keep reading. There was a certain man called Simon, which beforehand in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, and to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. This man is influencing this whole city with his sorceries. Has he operated in occult powers and devilish things? Known the depths of Satan. He has. And the spiritual ability of the devil. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. And Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, how'd they get him free from all those devils? Now, you know it took him a while to get free from all those generational curses and all those devils. Because, I mean, this man is, I mean, he's full of the devil. He's influencing a whole city for the devil. He's got a whole house full of books. On incantations and sorceries. He is a master sorcerer. He's convinced the leaders of the city. He's running the place. How'd they get him free? Now you got what people think. And you got the Bible. And you can make up stuff. And you can add it in there. And you can say well yeah I just believe this happened. Well what does that mean? It's either in here or it's not. Can you find one place in the book of Acts, which is the uh, example for us? This is the beginning of the church. We're part of the same church. Can you find one place in the book of Acts where people spent a long time trying to get people set free? Can you find it? I know some people don't like that, but what is your belief based on? Well, I've had this experience where we can't build our doctrine on what you've experienced. Are you with me? Screaming and yelling at the devil for hours on end. Where's that at in the book of Acts? Show us one case where they rebuked and bound for 34 hours before they could break that curse over those people's lives. Show us a place. Where's it at? Or where, you know, they tried to get saved, but they couldn't because they had these generational curses in their life that had backed them up. And they had to take them to other people. And eventually they got those curses broke off and then they could come to God. Where's that at? Where's it at? Now see what people don't understand. They are implying that what Jesus has done is not enough. We're going to have to add our works to it. And if we'll pray hard enough. And if we'll work hard enough. And if we'll rebuke and bind hard enough. Then we can get it done. Did you hear that? And then see there's this satisfaction that we got them free. Uh oh. Did you hear me? 
Oh man, we worked hard. We had to fast for 30 days and it took a lot of rebuking and binding, but we finally got them free. And see, the whole thing is based on feelings. How do you feel? Do you still have those feelings? And you shouldn't even be asking them how they feel. We walk by faith, not by how we feel. If the Lord says we're redeemed, we're redeemed. If he says you're free, I don't care how you feel, how it looks, begin to speak it over yourself. Didn't Colossians say, he hath delivered us from all the power of darkness. Has, has, has. Now, you know. I know some people may think, well, Brother Keith, you just hadn't experienced what I have. Well, you don't know what I've experienced. This ain't my first rodeo. I've seen some things. I've seen some people get off. I've seen some people get messed up. There was a time when I started going the wrong way with some of it. It's one reason I know something about it. Did you hear me? You hear something somebody else says, you get excited about it. And see, the more natural people are, the more they gravitate to solical stuff. And always talking about what we feel and what we can see and what we can hear, feel. We want to have some experience that we can see and hear and feel. That's carnal. That's fleshly. And finally, thank God I had such a wonderful father in the faith, uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin. Some things were going on in the city. And people were having deliverance meetings. And I'd been to some of them. And people were having, you know, cast the devil out meeting. And he, led by the Holy Ghost, thank God. He began to tell how in the earlier days of his ministry. That it was popular. See, there's nothing new under the sun. It began to be popular to have deliverance meetings. And so people would get together and cast the devils out of each other. And there was a whole lot of throwing up. And so people would get to the place where they're bringing paper bags with them to the meetings. Well, now that is making plans to throw up. That means you've got faith to throw up. Where is that in the book of Acts? I know it, it has happened in some situations, but you don't make a doctrine out of it and you don't have a meeting for it. And so, it was popular at that time for people to get together and even dress up in camouflage and wear your boots and get on the highest place you could to scream at the devil all night and to torment the devil and to rebuke and bind. And one fellow came by the ministry, so I said, how's he doing? He said, oh, you know, not too bad. He said, I already cast out eight devils out of myself this morning. And everything's a devil. Every, there's a devil under every bush and under every chair. There's a devil in everything. And it's the devil of the devil. And people are devil-minded. See, it's like being curse-minded. Now, I'm not just saying this to rub somebody the wrong way. I want you to understand, when you talk more about the curse than you do the blessing, you're warped. You're wrong. You're in error. When you talk more about the devil than you do God, you're in error. Right? And when you preach and when you get through, people are in fear that the devil might get on me. Then that's not right. We are not supposed to be afraid 
of the devil at all. Of any demon. I said, well, you better watch talking like that. You better be afraid. No, I will not be afraid. The devil's afraid of me. And he'll be afraid of you too. If you learn who you are in Christ. You should not be afraid. You must not be afraid. Because the fear opens the door to the enemy. So this was going on. And I had been to some things and prayed and sweat myself for many hours. And yelled and screamed until I lost my voice. So I'm not just talking against somebody. I've done some of these things. And during that time. Brother Hagen was teaching in the afternoon and I was there every day. And you know. This wasn't his series he was on, but thank God the Holy Ghost led him. And he began to tell in the earlier days of his ministry, they began to have get free meetings. And he said, man, they had every kind of manifestation you ever thought of and some you shouldn't have thought of. (laughs) Now, did you hear that? Manifestation. See, not of God, supposedly of devils and carnal people who don't know God. They gravitate to that because they want to see something. They want to hear something. And they think, oh, this is real. Well, what if it is? If it's real devil, who wants that? Just because it's spiritual doesn't make it God. Just because it's real doesn't mean it's God. Are y'all with me now? So he said, then that kind of, you know, lost uh, momentum And people begin to have deliverance meetings. And so, boy, they got pumped on that. And and it was deliverance meetings. Are you going to the deliverance meeting? And always casting out devils. And always, uh, you know, these manifestations. He said, man, they had every kind of manifestation. Every kind of hollering and and yowling and and shaking and and sweating and and voices and roars. Everything you thought of and stuff you hadn't thought of. And then after that, they had another kind. Get free meetings. Come get free. And he said, same thing. They had all kind of manifestations of people screaming and rolling and feeling things and seeing things. But all this while he's pastoring. And he's in some of these meetings. And, you know, like me, you know, and young, you don't know, he got involved in some of it. But he said he'd go out to the farm. He'd pastored out in the country years, many years ago. And he'd go out, and there's one of the farmers, and he said the guy's pulling in his corn, and he'd just get in the cornfield with him and start pulling some corn, talking to him. And he's got the same problem that he had after all these manifestations than before. Are you listening now? And as months went by, this guy has been through the deliverance meetings, and he's been through the get free meetings, and he's been through the other meetings, and he's still got the same problems. And he began to see, well, what does that mean? And he began to fast and pray and seek the Lord. Now listen, get ready to write this down, because this is Revelation. He said, the Lord spoke to him in a time of prayer. He said, people are trying to get results with prayer that only the Word will bring. The focus of these meetings is prayer. But not prayer according to the word. It's that prayer is going to get it done. 
prayer is going to get it done. No, prayer is not going to get it done. God gets it done. Now, we believe in prayer. But you have to watch. You'll make prayer the deliverer. You'll make prayer the all in all. You hear people talk about prayer like prayer is God. Well, prayer is what we do. So how can it be the most important thing of all? Are you with me now? And so people praying apart from the word, pushing with their spirit, trying to feel something, trying to see something. You're going to see and feel some things. But it's not going to be God. And when you get through, you're still going to be bound. Yes, we should pray. But the Bible says if you ignore the word, even your prayer will be an abomination, Proverbs says. Prayer must be according to the word. And prayer must be in faith. And when the Bible said Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Then do we just ignore that word? And pray and sweat and try to get somebody free from a curse. Or when do we come back to the word and say I believe it. Yeah but you don't look like it. Well what does that mean? Well you don't feel like it. What about these experiences? What about them? I had a fellow come to me one time. I've cast out spirits. I've prayed for people. Many, many. And this one guy came and he said, I want you to set me free. I said, from what? He said, well, I got spirits. I said, how do you know? He said, well, so-and-so told me. (laughs) Well, I knew this guy, he hadn't said the second sentence until I knew That he doesn't have the kind of problem that he's trying to say he does. But I also knew if he doesn't get off this track, he can wind up with this problem. And I told him, I said, well, I said, no. I said, you have to give the word first place. You can't keep looking for a man and you can't keep putting emphasis on what you feel. At some point, the word has to become your rock. It has to become number one. It has to become that which fills up your thinking. That's another way of saying God fills up your thinking. Not man, not feeling, not desire, not experience. What he said. And I took him to Colossians. I said, isn't it good news that Christ has redeemed us and he hath delivered us from all the power of darkness. I said, look at that. He said, well, somebody else gave me that scripture, and that's not what I need. I'm looking for somebody that's got the power. Now, that is insulting. I'm not talking about to me. That is insulting to the word. We were talking about the word of God that cannot fail. Heaven and earth will pass away, and you and I could be gone a long time, and this word is going to be standing strong forever. And I told him that word, and he despised it. He said, yeah, I know that. So-and-so told me that too. But I'm looking for somebody that's got the power. He's in trouble. I said, he's in trouble. Because he's basing his faith on what he feels. And when is he going to believe he's delivered? When he feels something. He's waiting until he feels something and sees something and hears something. No faith at all. And I told him, I said, "Uh, no brother, listen to me. You're going down a dangerous path. If you ignore the word and belittle the word. And you seek after seeing and feeling things. 
You press hard enough, the enemy will accommodate you. And you will see and feel things, and it won't be God. And the kind of condition you're talking about, you're not in right now, but you could wind up that way. Well, it just aggravated him. He said, well, you don't have the power. He left. Three months later, he's back. Wants to see me and talk to me. I talked to him. Moment I laid eyes on him, I realized he does have problems now. Somebody said, what do you mean? He had, he had spirits. I said, you did what we told you not to do, right? He said, yeah. What you been doing the last three months? He'd been going from here to there, trying to get people to pray for him. And people spent night after night sweating over him and praying and rebuking and binding and casting. And during the course of that, he opened the door and the enemy got into him. And people can be set free. That's the thing. It's so easy to be set free if you believe the truth. But God's got to be first. The Word's got to be first. So whatever it is that you think is the latest, greatest thing, find it in the Bible. Find where the disciples did it in the book of Acts. Find it in there. If you can't find one instance of it in there, you better back off. Right? You better look. Because if it was that important, it'd be in here. Right? If it's what you're supposed to be doing, there'd be cases of it. You'd see Peter and James and John spending all night rebuking and binding over somebody. You'd see it in here. That's how you're supposed to do it. But you don't. Simon the sorcerer. What'd they have to do to get him set free from all that? <laughs> he heard the word. He believed. He got baptized. And then he's following them around going, wow, now that's a real miracle. Oh, man. What about all that stuff in his life? See, people overestimate the power of the enemy and they underestimate the power of God. The devil can work to build bondages and put yokes on people for centuries and decades, centuries in a family or decades in an individual's life. But the power of God, the anointing is so powerful that what it took the devil decades to build, the power of God can shatter in milliseconds. We don't have to play with these things. Toy with these things. Yeah, there's an enemy. Yeah, there's a devil. Yeah, there are spirits. But you're not supposed to dwell on them and think about them and talk about them. You're supposed to talk about God. And if the devil tries to do something in your life, you don't fall out and call for 30 people. Can we rebuke and bind enough to get me? No. You tell him to shut up and stop and get out of your life in Jesus' name and you expect it to happen. No fear. No fear. And there's some people here and watching by internet, you need to have a house cleaning. You need to go back to your house tonight and there's a lot of books and there's a lot of tapes and there's a lot of videos and there's a lot of stuff you need to pull out and you need to pile up and you need to go burn it or throw it away or something. Because it is a key to why you've had so much trouble. In your life because you watch that and you listen to it and you meditate on it and it opens up your mind and opens up your life to the enemy. House cleaning. That's not just my idea now. You ever seen anything like that in the word of God? 
Huh? Turn on over in the book of Acts to the 19th chapter. Verse 17. Paul and those that were with him exercised authority over spirits that were affecting this young girl. And, you know, there was this deliverance and and then people tried to mimic it without knowing God and they found out some things. And verse 17 said, fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was what? Devils were magnified. Curses were magnified. No, no. The name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and did what? Burned them before all men and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. But Paul and those that were with him told them that it was necessary that extensive deliverance be carried out. Huh? Where's it at? Now these people didn't just watch a bad movie one time. (laughs) They are witches. They have spirits. They have familiar spirits. They operate with devils. Not maybe so. No question about it. And they heard the gospel. And they got free. And they got filled with the spirit. They said we're going to have a book burning. And they took all that junk out there. And they burned it and nothing, nothing is said about them needing extreme times of deliverance. Are you with me? See, people are, are playing games. And people who are, you know, more carnal, they like the attention. Did you hear me? Because when it's going on and people are rebuking and binding and dealing with me, it's all about me. And the focus is on me. And everything's revolving around me. And then how do I feel? And what's going on with me? How is it now? And people particularly that are not secure in themselves, they feed on that. And that's why you hear a lot of times people say, well, I don't like a big church. They just told you more than they meant to. What do they mean? They mean they want special attention. What do you mean by that? Preferably, they want a little group that they can run. That they can convince that they're more spiritual than the rest of them. Or... That, you know, they can take up half of the staff and congregation's time. (laughs) Talking to them and praying for them and waiting on them. Did you hear me? Because when you begin to grow and mature, you don't think like that. You think, how can I help somebody else? What can I do for somebody else? And what is a small church? What is a big church? This church is not big. Oh, no. No. There are churches in this earth that are a million strong. There are a number of churches that are a couple of hundred thousand strong. And a bunch of them that are 10 and 20,000. A bunch of them. So really, by that standard, we are a small church. 
So why wouldn't you be happy? (laughs) See what I'm saying? People think wrong. And there's more to it than what they're saying on the surface. How do we get into all this tonight? Well, do you want to be blessed? Or do you want to be cursed? All this goes together. You can't talk about the curse all the time. That includes the problems in your life. Doesn't it? Let's say you are broke. Let's say you've had bad trouble in your finances. Let's say your family did you wrong. They snookered you out of mama's inheritance. Let's say the company did you wrong. They fired you and it wasn't your fault. And they stole your pension. And they did this and they did that. What would all those things be? Is that a blessing? What is that? It's a curse. But what the enemy wants to do is not only work something like that in your life, but then he wants you to dwell on it and talk about it and think about it the rest of your life. So it's not just something that happened to you. It's something you're living in right now. And how many times have you run across people and it's not 10 minutes until they want to talk about the curse. They want to talk about the sickness. They want to talk about the money problem. They want to talk about the drug problem. They want to talk about the bondage. They want to talk about the curse. But you talk the curse and you'll have the curse. Just like talking about devils. People think they're so spiritual because they get together and talk about the devils. Oh, the devil. Oh, the devil is here. Somebody said, oh, I feel him. It is sad. You get whole churches spend three quarters of their service going, oh, the devil's got this thing bound up. We're going to have to break free and get, uh, you know, get our service loose because the devil's got us choked up. I can't preach and we can't sing. The devil's got us bound up. I'm not just joking. This kind of thing happens. And then people go, ooh, I feel him. (laughs) Well, I reckon so. Everybody meditating on him. Everybody's got their mind on him. Everybody's got their mouth about him. He will manifest. And people think it shows that they're more spiritual than other people. Because, oh boy, we must really be doing something for the kingdom. Because we felt the devil's presence so powerful. Better analyze that statement. You're doing something for the kingdom of God. Whose presence did you feel? So people don't realize they are inviting the manifestation of the devil. And these manifestations they're experiencing is nothing to be proud of. It's something to stop. The devil can't bind our services up. He wishes he could. He can't stop us from praising God and preaching the word and believing God. He can't. He can't. He ain't big enough. He wishes he could. He wants you to believe he can. He can't stop you from doing one frame thing for God. He can't stop you from blinking your eyes. He can't stop you from saying one prayer, one amen. He's been stripped. He's been brought to naught. He's been placed under our feet. He is the eternally defeated one. Yeah, he's around. So what? Don't talk about him. Somebody else is here. 
that just puts him in the shade. Anybody know what I'm talking Somebody else is here. Oh, the greater one. The mighty King of kings and Lord of lords. The creator of the heavens and the earth. You think about him. You talk about him. Next thing you know, you sense him. Here he is. Can you see why the devil wants people to talk about the devil? So he can manifest himself. That's what the Lord told us when we started. Tell what I do. Give testimony. Give glory to God. What about the devil? (laughs) We don't care what he's able to pull off. We don't even tell it. We give him no free advertising. None. None. So they took all those books and they burned them before all men and they counted the price of them and found they they were worth a lot of money. 50,000 pieces of silver. How many know it doesn't make any difference if it's a 3,000 year old statue of the devil worth $3 million? Do you want it? No. Huh? Huh? No, that's what they did. They had ancient scrolls of dark things. And they took them out there and they piled them up and they burned them and they had a hallelujah time. And there's some folk in this room and there's some folk watching by internet. You should do it. You're supposed to do it now. You're supposed to have a cleaning. You go home, you get out all that junk. I know that you had all these reasons you thought, well, I'm going to read that so I'll understand these things. So if anything comes up, I'll know how to. No, no. You should have never bought it to begin with. Everything you need to know about dealing with the devil, you'll find in here. You do not buy books the devil wrote to find out about the devil. He's a known liar. He's a known deceiver. Burn that junk. Destroy that stuff. It's a key to your victory. To you staying free. It's important. So they did it. And what happened then? Verse 20. So mightily grew the deliverance meetings. Huh? So mightily grew the word. The Word of God and what prevailed? Come on now, come on, come on. What prevailed? What prevailed over everything? The Word of God grew mightily and prevailed over everything. Who is the Word of God? Jesus. What's going to get you totally free from any bondage, any habit? The Word. Don't put your focus on something else, on anybody else, on anything else, on the Word. The Word, though it doesn't get any better than this, doesn't get any more powerful than this. How many can raise your hand and say, looking back over your life and the results and the victories that you've experienced, you can trace it right back to the Word. Man, I know it. It's the Word. It's the Word. The Word. Thank God for people's prayers. But the prayers were answered by the word. Right? And God revealing the word to us. Getting the word in us and through us. Say the word. The word. 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 Mightily. Mightily. Grows. And prevails. prevails. What does it mean prevail? 
Overcomes everything. Every problem. How are we going to get past this sickness? The word. How are we going to get out of poverty and debt? The word. How are we going to get rid of these feelings and these dark thoughts and, and these emotional, this depression? The word. The word. Don't look somewhere else. The word. The word. The word. Mightily grows and prevails. Hallelujah. Boy, I didn't think I was going this way tonight, but here we are. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank. Come on, let's just praise him some. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We exalt you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Go back with me to Deuteronomy. I'll see if we can find a place to close and to sum this up. Deuteronomy 28. I am so thankful for the word. I'm so thankful for Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin in my life, because that's the first thing he taught us is that the word is number one, always, always. And here's a man who had multiple visions of the head of the church, outstanding experiences. If you've ever read any of his materials, you know it. Visions of the head of the church. But now listen, this happened more than once. I was with him for 20 some years. And I don't mean I just saw this once in a while. Every day, every week. The word. <laughs> Number one. If there's a question, there's an issue, what do we do? Well, what does the word say? What are we going to do? What does the word say? Friend, you can't train yourself too strictly this way. You cannot go overboard emphasizing the word. It's one thing you can't get off doing. Did you hear me? Because who is the Word? He's the Word made flesh. Every time something comes up, what are we going to do about this debt? What does the Word say? What are we going to do about this marriage problem? What does the Word say? What am I going to do with my boss at work in this problem? What does the Word say? Not once in a while, every time, train yourself. Train yourself. Sometimes your flesh won't want to do it. But get yourself by the ear and go, uh uh-uh, no, 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 forget. Well, I feel. Forget what you feel. What does the Word say? You know, so-and-so had this great experience. Well, no, what does the Word say? What Word were they telling you? What Word were they standing on? What Word did they base that on? What's the Word say? And he said, this happened more than once in these visions that he had. He said the Lord was saying some things to him that just upended his theology. It was different than anything he had ever heard taught or preached. And at one point, he said he looked at the Lord. He said, now, Lord, I know I'm looking at you. And I know I'm hearing you. But you got to show me that in the Bible. (laughs) You got to show me that in the Word, Lord. And he said, the first time he said that, he thought, you know, the Lord might be irritated with him. He said, the Lord smiled. Because he said, in fact, this one time he said, Lord, you know, the Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So I'm going to need at least two or three scriptures for that. 
Because it was so foreign to his thinking. He said, the Lord smiled and said, I'll give you four. <laughs> and he said, well, now, Lord, if there's anything in the Bible like that, I've never seen it. He said, the Lord smiled again and said, son, there's a lot in there you hadn't seen. <laughs> but he said it didn't displease the Lord. That's what he wants us to do. He's training us to do that. Right? Elsewise, you could have an experience. How many know the Bible says that the ministers of the devil transform themselves into angels of light? I've had people tell me before, yeah, but now I don't care, preacher. I know what I saw. I was awakened in the wee hours of the morning and I saw this being of light. I saw him just like I see you and this bright white uh, garment. And he said this. I said, it can't be God. <gasps> I saw it. I said, it can't be God. The Bible says this. Amen. Yeah, but I saw him. I said, I don't care what you saw. I'm not doubting your experience. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying you didn't have it. But just because you see light and hear voices and see a being in white does not make it God. How would you know if it's God? You take it back. Take it back to the Word. What does the Word say? What does the Word say? You wake up in the middle of the night. And there's a 24 angel choir. Singing in multiple harmonies. And you're seeing a brilliant light show. And feel like you're being transversed through the universe. If it disagrees with one scripture. You roll over and go back to sleep. Because it ain't God. Right? God's not going to contradict itself. It can't contradict this book. It can't. It cannot. Somebody say, thank God for the word. 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 The word tells us that we have been redeemed from the curse. So nobody or their brothers or all their witch coven or all their cursed professionals put together can convince me that I'm cursed. No matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what grandma experienced or daddy experienced, I believe I'm redeemed. How about you? I'm redeemed. Say it out loud. I'm redeemed. From the curse of the law. I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. See, this needs to be down in you deep, like when the pillars are dug to put a skyscraper on. And it reaches down to the depths of your being, and it is settled beyond question. Anybody suggest that you cursed? It's laughable to you. Well, now, you just don't know. If you'll let us come over there and help you, we'll show you. You've got all these curses that go back through your family line. (laughs) You better not let them come. What do you say? No, thanks. Jesus got it done. Jesus got it done. Before you found out about it, he already redeemed me from the curse. And I am redeemed. And I'm not cursed. And whom God is blessed, you cannot curse. Nobody can curse whom God is blessed. I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. Needs to be settled in you beyond question. So then you don't talk curses because that's not you. You only talk blessing. Oh, listen to this. Deuteronomy 28. This is how you are supposed to talk. It'll come to pass. 
verse 1 of 28, If you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you. If you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Somebody say, I'm going to follow God. I'm listening to God. I'm obeying God. I'm doing what He told me to do. And blessings come on me and overtake me. Who's got time to talk about curses? That's for somebody else. Verse 3, come on, come on. This is how you talk. This is how you think. This is you. This is you. Blessed shall you be in the city. And blessed. Every time you see blessed or blessed, you say it out loud with me now. Let's back up to verse 3. Uh, back up to verse 2. And all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. Verse 3. Blessed shall you be in the city. And blessed shall you be in the field. Verse 4. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. Now stop. What's he saying? Blessed will be the fruit of your body. Blessed will be the fruit of your ground. Blessed will be the fruit of your cattle. Blessed will be the increase of your kind. Blessed will be the flocks of your sheep. Is that what he's saying? Blessed. 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 Verse 5. Blessed shall be your basket and... In other words, blessed shall be your store. Blessed, verse 6, blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Who wants to talk about the devil and curses when you can talk about this, when you can shout about this? The curse is not ours. We've been redeemed from the curse. So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. So you ought to talk about it in the morning. You ought to talk about it at lunchtime. Blessed. 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 Couldn't say it too much. Blessed. Keep reading. The Lord will cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. And they that come out against you one way, they'll flee before you seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing. On you, in your storehouses, plural. And, and what? The Lord will command the blessing in all that you set your hand to. And he shall bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Blessed. Blessed. Keep reading, that's not all. The Lord will establish you a holy people to himself as he sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord and they'll be afraid of you. And the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods. Well, how does being broke work with that? Huh? How does being poor all your life work with this? Plenteous in what? Well, now, Brother Keith, that's just spiritual blessings. Can you read? Plenteous in what? Goods. Goods. What's goods? Stuff. Stuff. 
plenty of goods. Plenteous. The Lord will make you. Why? Because the blessing's on you. Stuff just comes to you. Stuff comes to you. Money comes to you. Blessings. You are a good stuff magnet. Good things happen to you. Good stuff comes to you. It just comes and comes and comes. Why? Because the Lord has commanded the blessing on you and in your storehouses to make you plenteous in goods. Keep reading. In the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your cows, in the fruit of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your father. Now see, let's don't skip all that. When he says and, 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 you have to back up and hook it to the statement. What does that mean? Plenteous in goods, and then what? Plenteous in the fruit of your body, plenteous in the fruit of your cows, plenteous in the fruit of your ground. Verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain to your land in his season. And to what? Bless. Bless all the work of your hand, and you shall lend unto many nations, and shall not borrow. So you don't need to borrow when you've got so much, all your stuff is paid, and you can loan to other people. That's blessed. Hmm? When you can't do anything except you borrow for it and you owe everybody in the country, is that being blessed? It's not. The full blessing is not on you till you got everything paid for and you got enough to loan to somebody else. And you don't need to borrow. That sounds almost too good to be true to a lot of people. They're like, well, now, Brother Keith, we have to live in the real world. (laughs) Well, you stay in that one if you want to. But here's one here. That I believe we could live in. And this is more real than what you feel and see. And if God said this is the way it can be and supposed to be, then I I identify with it and I volunteer for it. How about you? Would you say, here am I, Lord. Bless me. I'll live it. Now, the first step toward it, you may think we've, you know... Going around and around this, but listen, some very valuable things have already come out tonight. What can I do? After all the shouting is done, what do I do to start this in my life? The Lord's already told us. Quit talking the curse. Don't talk poor talk. Don't talk broke talk. Don't talk sick talk. Don't talk about what you don't have. Don't talk about who you don't know. Don't talk about what you can't do. That's curse talk. Right? Well, we just don't have enough money, Brother Keith. And you never will talking like that. you got to change it and talk by faith and begin to say, oh, we're so blessed. We always have plenty to pay every bill and we always have money left over. you got to say it when it wasn't true the last six months in a row. you got to say it by faith. you got to say it when you ran out before you got your next check. You gotta stand up by faith and look at those bills and say, I don't care what I see, I don't care what I feel, I am the blessed of the Lord. And I don't run out. I'm plenteous in everything I need, and I always have more than enough. And God's bringing me out of debt. He's taking me from owing to owning. He's taking me from borrowing 
to lending. You got to say it when it looks impossible. It feels impossible. That's what faith is all about. If you could feel it and see it all the time, everybody'd be doing it. Boy, some people in this place are getting this. I tell you what. Look out, look out. Verse 13. The Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only. Only above. And you shall not be beneath. Glory to God. (laughs) Have you been saying that lately? The Lord makes me the head. What does that mean? That means you started working there and in a few years you own it. (laughs) Are things like that? You started in a thing and then you got your own. Right? You had one, now you got three. And instead of being, you know, God wants people that don't have to ask four other people if they can do something all the time. Brother Kenneth Copeland. He said the Lord told him one time, he said, because uh, he was believing for some things and some aircraft. And, of course, people just, you know, they've been that way for years, giving him a lot of static about him having an aircraft. And especially a big one and, uh, you know, expensive one, cost money to operate. And he said the Lord told him, he said, if I tell you, Kenneth, to get up and be in China tomorrow, I don't want you to have to ask anybody, can you go? Well, they're going all over the world right now in their big aircraft. Hallelujah. And they're close to this new one. Hallelujah. And they didn't have to ask anybody. Well, you qualify for the same kind of thing. Right? God wants to bring you to a level of ability and financial freedom. Oh, come on now. Somebody thinks it's too late. It ain't too late to be blessed. It ain't too late to get free now. God wants to bring you and me to a place of freedom. Did you hear me? Where if he tells us to do something, we can do it. He tells us to give it away. We don't have to go ask the bank. The bank don't own it. We own it. Right? He tells us to go do something. We can do it. We can be gone tomorrow. Stay gone six months if we want to. See, most people cannot do that. Right? They do not have that kind of freedom and ability. God's got to have some people that can do this, though. To move to and fro in the earth and get the job done. It takes ability. It takes strength. It takes money. Do you have any word to stand on? Oh, come on. Read it again. Read it again. What's the Lord going to do? He will make you the head and not the tail. See, the tail has got to ask the head. But the head tells the tail. Right? (laughs) The tail don't tell the head what to do. The head tells the tail. (laughs) Glory to God. He will make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above only. You'll not be beneath if you hearken to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. Can you hear the central theme of that passage? What is the central theme of that passage? You obey God and what? You are going to be blessed. How many know he could have said you'll be blessed? But it didn't say it. What's the Holy Ghost saying? 
You'll be blessed when you go out. Blessed when you come in. Blessed what you put your hand to. Storehouses blessed. I'm going to command a blessing on you. This is supposed to get in our spirit. Blessed. 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 Can you see it? Blessed. 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 Who are you? Blessed. Or to get in you so strong it just comes out of your mouth. Blessed. Blessed. Who are you? I'm blessed. What are you doing? Blessed things. What's up? Blessed stuff. What's happening? Blessed things. Blessings are coming. God has commanded the blessing on me. And everything I do and everything I touch, I'm blessed. 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 I'm blessed. The curse can't stay in my house. I'm blessed. No. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.